The full title is The Net, The Unabomber, LSD, and The Internet. Right. So right away, you could see that that's quite a triad of subjects right there. And I'm sure we've mentioned The Unabomber before, Ted Kaczynski. And, you know, he, he's like a huge pop culture figure. I guess yeah. love him or hate him. He's um, a, yeah, he's kind of a Che Guevara of the the modern age. Uh, in, in a lot of ways, he is. In a lot yeah. of ways, he is. But you know, I I mean, I'm old enough to actually like remember the Unabomber like being a thing in the '90s. I don't know if you remember Not, any of it. I don't think so. Yeah, like uh, I mean, I am old enough that like I was alive when you know, the Unabomber was doing his shit, but I don't really have like consciousness of it, or I didn't have consciousness of it at the time. Uh huh. Um, yeah. So. May- maybe it's because there were so there were bombings in Berkeley and in Sacramento oh, yeah, it was and like San Francisco. Much more, yeah. Right. Yeah. That classic hotbed of radical terroristic violence, the San Francisco mm-hmm. Bay Area, and um, and also like like you said, like his kind of political leanings and what he came to represent um, for like say radical environmentalists. You know it. It's something that I guess people were paying a lot of attention to, but I just remember it in kind of a, like an OJ Simpson spectacle kind of way that it was one of these things that happened that caused an absolute media circus in the mid nineties like that. And like the Oklahoma city bombing was another one. And then of course later, like the Monica Lewinsky shit and the nineties was just full of these like very mediated like legal spectacles, you know, and like criminal trials and stuff like that. And so, you know, I mean, like that the sketch of the Unabomber, um, you know, the class with like the big right. sunglasses and everything mm-hmm. like that. It's like that was etched into my consciousness like as right. a child of just like this scary man who mails bombs to people like he's such a, and he's like a genius, like and nobody knows where he is. And he's evaded the FBI for 17 years and stuff. But then they catch him and he was like this like mountain man. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, then there was like a million true crime, like mm-hmm. cable TV sort of documentary things about like getting into the mind of the Unabomber and all kinds right. of stuff. Even up to this day, I think there was just a new like dramatized movie that came out about Ted Kaczynski, which uh, I didn't get to watch before we did this. But, right. Yeah. I think I remember know. seeing that, like catching the Unabomber or something. Right. It is something yeah, like that. Yeah. Like the four, like, you know, 48 hours of the Unabomber. I don't know. Something it like really. That, yeah. And know. it's all about Criminal like, the, minds, like it's, it's the like chasing Unabomber. a mastermind. Like, yeah. Right, it's like yeah. you have all the trappings. A of maniac. Like a, <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, he was like a maniac, but like, you know, they they, they weigh on a little bit thick. They There's, definitely uh, do. They, and they all these like stand to be a little bit more like self reflexivity about the situation. Yeah. Yeah, um, like they just love that he played the game in that sense of like, ooh, he left his signature on all of his bombs and like yeah. all these clues, and he uses cryptograms. Like he's like he's like a zo- the Zodiac and right. like the son of Sam Killer and uh, like a political terrorist, all rolled into yeah, one. Yeah, and I mean, he also like targeted the people who like media types could relate to most immediately, like or even like who they idolized, you know, like so it was. You know, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the uh, the whole situation of, uh, oh, they have blue eyes. Like, how could this happen? <laughs> like, you know, they're white. They're Christian is like, oh, my God, like they're tech people like, the, you yeah, know, no, esteemed serious scientists. Yeah, exactly. Literally serious yeah. scientists is who he was targeting. For, and, you know, airline executives and uh, 
like, you know, the president of like the California Forestry Association, you know, like a, the timber yeah. lobbyists and things like that. Of course, that's the type. It's kind of like how, you know, Nicole Brown Simpson gets slaughtered in Brentwood. And, oh, the, that type of thing just doesn't happen in Brentwood, you know, mm -hmm. so it's so titillating. And people just glommed onto it on that level. And of course, like a big component of it was like the thing most people know that led to him getting caught was he demanded that he offered like a deal to the New York Times, I think of the Washington Post, that if they would publish his manifesto, he would stop bombing people. And yeah. they did. And so like his manifesto, uh, Industrial Society and Its Future, was published in the New York Times in 1995. And, and you know, it, it, it's usually the dominant narrative is that I think from like the academic establishment, from the journalistic establishment and from most like political, you know, writers has been that it's like it's badly written. It's full of cliches. It's stupid. It's rambling. It's bitter. Mm -hmm. Yada, yada, yada. And it, I mean, it's really a lot of things. But then, you know, some people have emphasized over the years that, well, you know, there are some like valid concepts or ideas. Like, yeah, it's and not totally everyone... unhinged. Yeah, I think everyone recognized that at the time. Like, yeah, I mean, a lot of those things are true. Like, it is full of cliches. It's not like, you know, he's, I mean, the Unabomber was like a, uh, you know, an accomplished academic. You know, he uh, was like a, a, an intelligent person, like, in, and he is an intelligent person. Like, obviously, he's very erudite, but... I don't know if, like, you know, uh, he would have had the success, like, just writing things like Industrial Society and its future, but, like, it's not, like, gr su super groundbreaking. A lot of it is, like, you know, kind of, like, intuitive, on, or, and also parts of it are, like, hackneyed or, like, just, like, dumb, like, uh, yeah, political, uh, no moy. Uh, but I think that people recognize that it was, like, a, you know, it was a critique that did have some resonance for a lot of people. I mean... It, yeah, I mean, a lot of people feel that uh, industrial, the Industrial Revolution and its consequences have been a disaster for the human race, like on some <laughs> level. So I yes, think that, that yes. you know, it's yeah, not like, it's not as fringe of a belief in and of itself. The, the decision to start bombing people like targeting people for assassination, a little more fringy. But uh, yeah, definitely. People generally aren't down with murder, but like, and I mean, there's also like a certain romance to the narrative that like, you know, he was living out in the mountains and then, you know, these machines came in and they were cutting down trees and destroying yeah. his trails. And he was yep. like, there's no escape. Like I must <laughs> strike back, you know, like, so he's kind of like, he, he has the qualities of like a folk hero in, in that respect, you know? So yeah, yeah. that's uh, one way he's been presented, but yes, exactly. Um, or but he I lends himself to that kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I wasn't as familiar with kind of maybe some other aspects of the Ted Kaczynski story until I watched this documentary, The Net. And I think it's on YouTube with like an English translation. So anybody can go watch it. I'd highly recommend it. It's mm -hmm. really fascinating. It's kind of like I would describe it as like an Adam Curtis documentary that doesn't hold back or fall into like weird British solipsisms. Mm -hmm. would, yeah, you, it benefits from the German like outsider perspective, I think, uh -huh. you know, it's kind of just like very nonplussed at a lot of like American things. Um, yeah, yeah. Rightfully yeah. so, I would say. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. you know, it, it was the first time I encountered the information, which, you know, is out there. This is totally confirmed. This isn't really speculation anymore. And more people have talked about it in like more recent years. But 
you know, like the origins of Ted Kaczynski's hatred of technology and the scientific elite, and perhaps maybe that had something to do with a three-year psychological study that he participated in at Harvard that basically was kind of under the broader umbrella of like the MKUltra program and subjected young Ted, who went to Harvard, I think at the age of 16, he was kind of a prodigy, uh, subjected him to highly abusive interrogations like and psychological breakdown techniques led by the, uh, the project's head honcho, Dr. Henry A. Murray, who we're going to get into in this episode, but I knew he was a sus lord, but <laughs> some of the things <laughs> like we dug up in some of the books are really kind of staggering, even by like deranged MK Ultra scientist in the 50s standards. And, mm-hmm. you know, it seems immediately like there's a real synchronicity between these two things of like Ted Kaczynski's uh, spiral over the years when he became a mathematics professor at UC Berkeley and then withdrew to Montana to like build himself a cabin and withdraw from society. Like a lot of his original um, his original trauma or wound was sort of created by these elite Harvard scientists who were like fucking with him in this like highly unethical uh, experiment. Yeah. I mean, and going to like Harvard probably can fuck you up like period. But yeah, this was especially deranged. I think we'll talk about like the actual like nature of the experiment and like what it entailed. Yeah. But uh, it was kind of like a, a sort of condensed like a lot of the traumas that like being a, uh, you know, a gifted child or like going to like an elite mm-hmm. university where you, you know, you need to like rise to the top, like sink or swim. Uh, you know, where I, I think it kind of compressed a lot of that uh, already, you know, uh, that, that experience that can already be traumatic for people of certain personalities, you know, yeah, for many de- people. Definitely, <laughs> yeah. definitely. One, one of the books that we're going to talk about uh, probably more later, but is a pretty good resource is Harvard and the Unabomber by Alston Chase from 2003. Mm-hmm. And he himself, um, given that name, you might not be surprised. He is a Harvard man as well. Right. And uh, he talked about kind of the feelings of alienation, what he called the culture, the culture of despair at Harvard in mm-hmm. the 1950s and early 1960s. And how in some ways this was maybe sometimes an intentional and other times an unintentional uh, effect uh, or result of the curriculum and the way it was structured in those uh, days. Mm-hmm. And like the particular kind of changing cultural climate within Harvard and like their post-war anxieties and all this other stuff. But he, he, he makes a pretty good argument in that book that, yes, like Ted Kaczynski kind of kept to himself and was like a bit of a weirdo and maybe didn't have like a ton of friends, but that it wasn't exactly abnormal for Harvard at that, at that time, mm-hmm. especially for somebody studying mathematics who yeah. like they're always like known as like unkempt kind of antisocial like always in their head not interested in women that kind of thing so um so the, that book goes a, a good way to kind of like shoot down what almost every like true crime thing about the unabomber uh argues which is that like he was always messed up and mentally ill and yeah. it just like man and maybe the harvard experiments made it worse or triggered something but he always had like paranoid schizophrenia lurking in him or I mean yeah but I also like honestly like uh I mean I question whether I mean I think it's worth questioning like is the Unabomber mentally ill like do you have to be mentally ill I mean yeah like you know you 
it makes you a bad person to like kill wantonly, uh, you know, uh, innocent people who like are, you know, he killed people who like really, you know, were not even by his logic, like a culpable for, you know, anything that would warrant killing them. But is, you know, is being, is doing bad things like that. Does that make you mentally ill or was it like, you know, is that, does that mean that he's crazy? Like, you know, well, that's a really interesting. Is it possible to be like a bad person or to, you know, to do something that is, yeah, I guess, you know, maybe there's some, something missing, some like empathy that's not present, but I also feel like in a way, like, you know, there is a rationale behind it, even if it's one that we might not like agree with, you know, I don't know. Like, I just feel like at a certain, like at a certain point, you almost have to say like everyone who commits a crime is like mentally ill or something, but I don't know. Like, is that, I don't know that's if he was like, so paranoid schizophrenic, you know. It's a very right nebulous term, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. yeah, he well, he was right to be paranoid, obviously, because yeah. he had captured a glimpse of the way that some of the most esteemed scientists in the country um, are operating, and kind of like he was smart enough and perceptive enough to uh, kind of recognize maybe the deeper, more sinister implications of these like techniques and technologies that were being developed. I mean. You know, unlike some people that were hanging around Cambridge uh, in the early 1960s who were very serious, Ted Kaczynski seemed to notice and actually react uh, in a real way instead of just kind of shutting up and going along with the system or being like a kind of pretend radical critic of the system. You know, instead of going that Chomsky route, he goes in a very different direction and like even if I mean, I think that the psychological trauma of these experiments. And we don't know also like what else they did because a lot of the records are still sealed, right? Yeah. Like we've only gotten access to some of the tapes and the summaries. Well, of- they reacted to like, cause this guy, I think who you mentioned, uh, Alston Chase, who like wrote the book, uh, Harvard and the Unabomber. He like was one of the first people to like bring the Murray experiment to light. I think he wrote about it in the Atlantic, which, yeah. you know, he talked to Kaczynski and he first heard about the experiment from, from Kaczynski but I think Kaczynski later you know would kind of be I think he later became like upset at the way I think possibly because of what we were just talking about like the perception that he was like MK'd and became crazy whereas he doesn't want you know he he seems himself to to not be crazy he seems to almost care more about that than kind of anything else is that he is not labeled as just a nut like he's very insistent that he's like of sound mind and he did what he did and he has his ideas and he wants to promote them and he's not crazy. Like it's very insistent. Yeah. And when you listen to some of the tapes in these experiments, like it's easy to see why. Because a lot of these conversations, these sort of in, in mock interrogations were incredibly gaslighty and being like, yeah. mm, well, no, I just think you're stupid. Mm, no, right. mm, your philosophy is really kind of mushy, isn't it? You they know, and it's like, well, no, like, it's not. You're just applying labels to me. You're just, you're just using labels. And yeah. it's like, mm, you know, and it's like, is that why you're growing a beard? Because you want to conform with the nonconformists? He's like, I'm not conforming, non-conforming with the nonconformists. It's not even much of a beard. And the guy's like, you're darn right. It's not, <laughs> you know, it's like a super, you're saying it's like yeah, 18, they 19 like year old kid. Like, yeah, they're so like- mean to him. Yeah, they, they will like deliberately do like attack, not attack therapy, but just like attack uh, psychology type stuff. Like they would have a psychologist yeah. like advise on like what insults would be the most effective, uh, yes. you know, apparently. On purpose. Um, and they, they, the, 
the the study was like deceptive about that. It was saying yeah. that you were going to like you have to write an essay about your personal philosophy and then you come in and a like law student is going to engage you in a spirited debate about your ideas. But instead it was like a scary interrogation where they just start like attacking you like some kind of like BPD maniac, you know, and yeah. like trying to undermine you. Like they've they've studied you enough that they're just like totally like hitting at all your soft spots and shit and trying to see like, oh, how far can we go? And they're also like attached, like have like electrodes attached to them the whole time, like monitoring, you know, their 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 heart rate and their, you know, brain patterns and shit. And there was a lot of like really at the at the tail end of Ted Kaczynski's involvement in it there. That's when the LSD experiment started. But that we can get into that later. Well, because that actually brings it around to like the really cool thing about the net documentary that it does is it kind of starts off with a simple premise of this German documentarian kind of reading about the Unabomber case and then reading the manifesto and then looking at who he targeted. Yeah. And noticing that some of the people were like these very highly esteemed computer scientists and people like that. I think another was a, a top geneticist, uh, Epstein, mm -hmm. and um, and then uh, Galernter, right? Yeah. David uh, Galernter at Yale, who is a top right. computer scientist and very public the documentarian, kind of face. Yeah, isolated. So she goes. She goes to like some of these people to interview them and like about just their whatever stuff you know computers technology but then brings up the unabomber and like right at the yeah. beginning of the documentary you get a sense that like something's up because like the way these people react and and you can kind of understand from like somebody got their hand blown off by the unabomber that like they'd be like fuck but even the other people like john brockman um mm -hmm. <laughs> big person and Stuart brand who we've we've mentioned before like kind of the way john brockman reacts is almost I get such a sinister like sus vibe from it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Did you? Because yeah, they're basically they, all like they said the same thing that he's a madman. He's a madman. Yeah. He's crazy. And I'm not gonna dignify uh, like him with like talking about his his so called ideas. Like let's move on. I don't want to talk about this. Like right. they get very yes. very hostile. Right. Just because yeah. she doesn't even get to the point of saying, do you think the Unabomber had a point <laughs> at all? Yeah, like, she definitely doesn't say that at all. Like, she basically just very, like, delicately suggests that. Is it a, a, a woman documentarian? I thought it was a, a dude, but I guess it's just like... The woman employee. doing the interview. Uh, it's a woman yeah. doing the interview, so I, yeah. yeah, I'm not sure um, either. She definitely does. She just, like, kind of feels like, is there, like, some connection, like, between what, like, you're saying and what, like, the Unabomber... But they didn't really seem to engage with like the you know any of his uh like ideas as, as substantive or having any relationship like i don't know it, like i guess yeah maybe she was kind of entertaining the notion that like the possibility the unabomber was like contained within the type of stuff that these people were uh discussing or advocating like uh she isolates this like one essay about like the digerati, uh, like, oh, yeah. you know, I guess probably is one of the first uses of that term in like uh, Edge magazine, I guess. Um, Edge magazine. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. And uh, this is also, this is very Josh Harris era kind of when it yes. was filmed too. this must have been filmed around like right after 9-11, like 2002 in mm -hmm. New York. So it's still that very like we live in public area of like these confident schlubby nerds like talking about like the net and like how it's going to change everything anyways yeah uh, basically like they gave like a bunch of like you know uh the quote-unquote digerati these like cute names like uh 
you know, this is just from the end of the article before they like, you know, uh, in today's world, technological advances are taking place at a rate unparalleled at any other time in history. The very nature of change itself has evolved so quickly that a hallmark of the 20th century is the uncertainty with which we all live. The ideas and information included in this book are essential to anyone interested in knowing who we are and where we are headed. Our models and metaphors are in a state of flux. Our world and all the things that we know in it are being radically altered and transformed. Not like comforting if you're the Unabomber, but this is a book about a group of people who are reinventing culture and civilization. I present the Digerati. They present themselves. They are not on the frontier. They are the frontier. They are. And these are just like some of the, you know, the pragmatist, Stuart Allstop. The coyote, John Perry Barlow. The scout, Stuart Brand. The oh seer, David Bunnell, uh, you know, it goes on like uh, uh, the gadfly, John C. Dvor- uh, Dvorak, the software developer, Bill Gates, uh, the what? conservative, <laughs> of course, is David Gerlinter, um, <laughs> you course. know, yeah, like, wow, the, conser- uh, the conservative, yeah, uh, uh, really, just, uh, that you mean like John Perry Barlow, who managed Dick Cheney's congressional campaign in the 1980s, he's, he's the coyote, not, no, he well, hangs out with the Grateful Dead, so, yeah, he's, well, I mean, isn't a coyote like someone who like kidnaps people, like and traffics them? Like a, sm- a human trafficker. Yeah, yes. Like, uh, that's not the last time human traffickers will come up um, uh, in this milieu. What is it? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So you could th- see this John very Brockman triggering. John for... is the one who wrote that. <laughs> like, by the Wait, way, John Brockman know, he, wrote that article. Yeah, he wrote that like intro. Yeah. Oh my um, god. So okay, yeah. yeah, John Brockman, who is like a kind of '60s culture maker, who by the time they were filming this documentary had become, he ran like a literary agency, right? Uh, and he, yeah. And he mm-hmm. became very successful publishing all kinds of like really almost like pop science kind of different authors and stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah. like all of it with a very like techno optimistic, like that kind of shit, like digi- like meet the Digirati, yeah. you know, like he, and, and it makes sense because he was their literary agent. So he was like, yeah. he basically collected this whole stable. Actually, that was actually a book that was like, you know, it was, uh, the intro was like published like elsewhere, but uh, that is from a book that he, I guess, at least wrote the intro to called Digirati Encounters with the Cyber Elite. <laughs> so that was like, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah, so for uh, you could tell like for him, just like with Stuart Brand or John Perry Barlow and all these other people, like technology is radical and badass. It's gonna create a new Jeffersonian cyber utopia. It is the mm-hmm. new frontier. They are declaring the independence of cyberspace and like get with it, you know, you squares, like basically. And I mean, that's basically just that list of people. Stuart Brand is interviewed in the net um john perry barlow is not but he's thanked in the credits so he must have i don't know provided some kind of a assistance or something and you know like he pops up in like the adam curtis documentaries that kind of talk about this milieu but i kind of like the direction that this documentary goes in kind of better i mean like because the other thing about the first interviews is they start the interview asking like john brockman about his background and he explains this very like it just gets harder and harder as we go through all of these 60s sus lords to just like buy their weird johnny appleseed origin stories you know Mm -hmm. that was just like i was just like i was playing like the fiddle you know he was like playing the banjo in a park one day in new york yeah i was just you know busting a juggling or something yeah exactly yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and i think i forget if he was in the military for a little while which wouldn't have been that weird back then or if like he'd started working on wall street like he's one of these guys that like bounced around like i think he had made Mm -hmm. some money on wall 
Wall Street. But for some reason, he was just sitting in a park one day playing a banjo. And this other artist guy, whose name I'm forgetting, comes up and is like, whoa, man, like, you're groovy. I dig your vibe. And he's like, and the next day, like, I was uh, appointed to, like, organize this, like, underground film festival in New York. And this became very closely associated with, like, the Andy Warhol, like, factory scene. Mm -hmm. And, of course, like, just like Del Close, like, they were just all about doing, like, wild, like, just crazy experimental shit. And it really looks very, very similar to what Ken Kesey was doing at the acid tests on the West Coast, like kind of around the same time. Like they were doing weird light shows and experimenting with music and just doing crazy effects and just having a freak out and all that stuff. And so eventually yeah, he becomes like a central player in this whole milieu and he's like bragging about bringing together. He also mentions he had read like Norbert Wiener's Cybernetics. And so he was like obsessed with the intersection yeah. between art and like cybernetics uh, and technical stuff. And so he became this person that combined all these different like influencers into a kind of nascent digerati and then really like hit his stride in like the 80s and the 90s with uh, his Edge Foundation and Edge.org, right? Yeah. Uh, which uh, we'll probably get to more later, but was uh, funded by a gentleman, another gifted child uh, named Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> um, yes. And he's in a little bit of a limbo right now as of 2022 because all that shit started to come out just in the last few years. And so that's a whole nother like mind blowing kind of angle to the whole thing. Yeah. Is at the time that the net was being shot and that's why it, like his vibe is so sinister in that scene. And like he even has a little bit of like Epstein energy, like his like there's something about like his smirk and stuff and like his confidence and stuff. And like so he was like really tight with Jeffrey Epstein around that. This is like during Epstein's kind of like peak sicko days of the early 2000s where he was hobnobbing with like yeah. the maximum amount of celebrities. And uh, according to one former, I think, like friend slash acolyte uh, slash client of Brockman's who like kind of wrote a break a breakup article um about him a couple years ago like he sent him a very weird email one time that was talking about like going to jeffrey epstein's mansion and finding like prince andrew getting a foot massage from like a young <laughs> like belarusian girl and basically saying like you want to meet him like you want to meet epstein and he's like uh i don't know man but he's like yeah but you know, a guy who's like the CEO of Victoria's Secret and owns a modeling agency, like that's the kind of guy you want to meet. And he was like, no, nah, I'm like, I, I read about how he was like a pedophile. Like I'm good, actually. And mm -hmm. um, so like that, that was evidence that like, oh, no, he not only uh, he, he mentioned in that email, like, yeah, he did a little bit of jail time like a year ago. There was some kind of thing. And anyways, like you should come meet him so that they clearly all knew. Um, and Bill Gates definitely knew, didn't he? You know, yeah. he was, it seems like his divorce was very Epstein related and, yeah, you or, know, yeah, it definitely played a role. It didn't help. Uh, no, it didn't yeah. help. And I he saw was the interview where the Melinda Foundation. Gates was like, I had nightmares about Jeffrey Epstein. Like the moment I saw him, I knew he was pure evil. And I, you know, you just yeah. know that like they weren't just hanging out. Like yeah. there, there's no fucking way that they were just kicking it and like having dinners and talking about science or something. You know what uh, I mean? I mean, can you imagine like, you know, insisting on like hanging out with someone who like your wife turns to you and says like he's pure evil and he haunts my dreams. Like what the 
fuck? Like, <laughs> I mean, just the uh, just like that would even happen. Like, you know, why do you have a friend who like haunts your wife's dreams and like who she perceives as being pure evil? Like, not to say that Belinda Gates is like, you know, uh, I mean, I feel like she's like a little bit of evil too. So like, uh, the fact that she was like so disturbed. Um, yeah that's the thing know, she went along with all a lot of the weird like bill and melinda gates foundation stuff but then like for something to be too much i mean yeah it had to be probably pretty bad and uh, apparently but, his aura was just like that oppressive um <laughs> interesting okay yeah. she's a spiritualist too uh they're all doing ayahuasca well, together. yeah maybe maybe she was attuned to it on the spiritual i just meant like you know figuratively speaking like it's, uh-huh yeah. Uh, yeah, but you know, we, we also know a little more now about like Jeffrey Epstein's obsession with transhumanism and yeah. living forever and, and being like cryogenically frozen and and like genetically creating like an army of like clone babies that are just like you and yeah. all that kind and of Brockman shit. Brockman basically like facilitated all of that, like that he was the one who like made it possible for him to like meet all these people, you know, and like schmooze with all of them and like be yeah. Yeah, kind of uh, like operating as like a as uh, almost like an agent, (laughs) pun intended, like like almost like your lit agent of like, let me introduce you to my pal Jeffrey. He's fantastic and stuff and was getting a bunch of money from him. And then it kind of stopped abruptly in 2015, like Epstein Mm -hmm. stopped and then they stopped hosting like, I don't know if it was a billionaire conference, but it was like leadership summits, uh, which I guess were always like these weird boozy kind of events uh that some people have written about is like being just like full of lecherous old men like many of whom have just gotten sort of like canceled in the last few years john searle was one who mm-hmm. like at a conference asked a really weird question about like whether like women shaving their pubic hair was like leading to psychological changes in the population to like a woman speaker <laughs> and yeah. everyone was like what and then he got me too'd <laughs> and was like revealed that he used to like just watch porn like all day like in his office on his computer <laughs> and like sexually harasses assistants and all that kind of shit so like we can really see there's like some creepy sicko kind of vibes like in this broader milieu there's also a almost messianic faith in like the good vibes of techno technological progress um, almost to the point where they're like they're bragging about it and like you said like you could just imagine Ted Kaczynski like sitting in his cabin reading this like digerati book or something and just like seething with like I have to do something like I have to I have to go after these people because you know they're they're on the exact opposite of the spectrum of him in terms of being relentlessly positive about yeah even despite I mean, being huge sickos in so many ways and so yeah. who's, I mean, who's John really Brockman mentally ill? Like, I don't know. John, John, didn't John Brockman say like, well, you know, this, uh, like, uh, I think like the documentarian asked like, you know, why the Unabomber targeted who he targeted or whatever. And he was like, well, this, this madman, this, this criminal, he read the New York times and, uh, people in the New York times were associated with technology or something like that. Like, right. Wasn't that like, like yeah, he did say that. Yeah. He was yeah. like, he read the New York times. For access to the full-length episode, subscribe to the Alera Frequency at patreon.com slash subliminaljihad.